Thank you for joining us at the Roundtable. Brought to you by Community Education Arts, a nonprofit organization based in Noblesville, Indiana. I'm Alice Cavanis Gober, President of CE Arts. And I'm Sarah E. Morin, Secretary of CE Arts. Let's sit down at the Roundtable.
Then harvest me with your gun That was Prayer to the Wind from the opera Love Ted composed by A. Paul Johnson who is our guest today. The vocals in that track are Kirk McLeod with some Harmony Female Ensemble singers as well. I'm so thrilled to have A. Paul with us today to talk about this opera, his other projects, and just his arts journey in general. Okay, so A. Paul, now let's go into a little bit about your arts journey. Share something with me that you would like to share with um, our audience about the journey that you've had as as this incredibly talented composer. You don't have to say that about yourself. I'll say it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you. Uh, It actually started in second grade, and I had one of those little readers, you know, little Dick and Jane readers. And and, uh, I remember there was a story about Mozart. Because I, I don't know, what were we, six or seven that Yeah, time. that was young. Yeah. And it talks about how he was writing symphonies and operas. I think he wrote his first opera at nine. Uh, and so I was reading this little story. And of course, it was very, very simple, but it gave Mozart's birthday, which is the same birthday I have. I have the same Ooh. birthday as Mozart. <laughs> so I read that, and I... I don't remember who it was, but I know there was a student next to me. And of course, we weren't supposed to talk in class, but I turned over and I said, I have the same birthday as Mozart. I'm going to be a composer. That's so cool. And so from like second grade on, I just never crossed my mind to do anything else, that that composing would be central to my work. Uh, Since then, I've branched out into... (laughs) some playwriting and doing musicals. Uh, I've written the books to them as well as the music. Wow. Uh, and we'll talk about I've done some prose writing and, and yeah. some other things since. I've directed for the stage, which was, but it all still centered around composition. Mm-hmm. And I look at all art, uh, visual art too, and hopefully we'll talk about that because one of my favorite pieces from my own catalog is a ballet called Hello, Dali. Yeah. I can't talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> and that piece, you know, of course, was very inspired by visual art. So all the other arts did find their way in. But the central idea was always around musical composition and how that unfolded in time. So I grew up in Indianapolis. I'm in Indianapolis now. Uh, rainy day here. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. That's a good day to be inside yeah. you know, talking. And uh, I went to a Jesuit high school here. And, of course, they are marvelous educators, just incredible educators, both on the spiritual level as well as the academic level. And they made me think deeply about life Mm -hmm. and our connection to it. And so that really brought a lot of new elements into creating art during my high school years. Mm -hmm. And for my senior project, I wrote an experimental drama. Oh, wow called The Postmortem Reflections of Peter Ganaliak. <laughs> Don't you love the, the youthful, the youthful yeah. enthusiasm? You know? and, uh, it, had, it had music and dance and projections and poetry, and it was a mishmash of, of really kind of trying to recreate a dream I had. Yeah. And it was so successful at, at Brebeuf, my high school, that they actually extended it two weeks. Oh, Wow. And it got some press, citywide press, 
And so our, uh, at the time, our, our main art institute, Heron, was yeah. downtown. And so they brought the production down there. Wow. And we brought in some new actors, including a couple of pros. That must have been quite something for you and then, at that age. And that sold out. And then they put it on tour. Oh we played it down gosh. in Bloomington. Uh, we played it over uh, at DePaul University. We wow. did other. And then we cl- ended up closing at the Indianapolis Museum of Art. Which that is, is now, amazing. Uh, I, I think now, see, that had been me. I probably would have said, okay, I'm just going to stop now. <laughs> Be a one-hit wonder because that's, that's yeah. pretty incredible. <laughs> And, but and it was that, also probably very inspiring to keep going. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was a continuation of the dream come true. Right. And there's something, something changes in you when you just have a dream or a thought or an imagination, and all of a sudden, it's like there are live people here, and you're holding it in your hand. Yeah. You know, the, the sets, the lighting, the energy that's going into helping create your dream yeah. materially in front of an audience changes you. It oh, changes yeah. You I can't even imagine. That's amazing. And, and so from that point on, I was an artist. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then went to New York to mentor. Didn't go right into college. That came actually a decade later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mentored with some wonderful composers in New York, a man named Michael Colgrass, Ned Roram, who's also a native Hoosier, and uh, then came back to Indianapolis to do shows at Heron and our Indiana Repertory Theater here as a theater composer and musician. And met, uh, you know, I think still somewhat, but back then it was very much a rotating repertoire Mm -hmm. uh, of actors who would go into the different regional theaters. Mm-hmm. So the, the directors and, you know, people who I worked with at Indiana Rep would call me and say, oh, you want to come to Syracuse stage and do a show? Sure, yeah. Arkansas <laughs> Rep and do a show with us. And, and so I played a lot of those regional theaters until I ended up in Florida in the late 70s and uh, lived in Florida for, I don't know, I think about 35 years. Wow. Wow, that's a completely different climate and environment and everything than New York or Indiana, you know. I mean, that's... Florida was so open. It was wide open. And uh, as a, you know, fairly good musician on a number of counts, I mean, you know, I could play, I play very well, keyboards. Uh uh, There was always work at a dinner theater or a regional theater because the tourists just, you know, flocked to that stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, and I remember, you know, doing runs of shows like Music Man in Oklahoma, where I mean, literally, would do over a hundred performances. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but it paid the bills. Yeah. Uh, while I continued to to write and compose chamber music and concertos, and uh, found a big audience for it in Florida. That's wonderful. And then uh, I came back. Uh, oh goodness, I guess it's been about eight years ago. I had some illness in my family and they need you know my mother particularly needed some help at end of life and so I came back and and thought well maybe it's time to retire and I'm going to retire back in Indiana Mm -hmm. so I actually spent about four years where I didn't do anything Mm -hmm. which for a workaholic is harder than you think yeah no that's a it is a challenge to to lay it down whatever it is to just put put down that pen 
you know, your composition sheets, whatever your artistic thing is, the paintbrush, whatever, it's, it is hard to stop because if you've been driven for decades and, and you, you, your life has been, as yours sounds to me, a dream come true of actually being able to make a living doing your passion, um, to stop doing that is, is a huge, you know, physical and spiritual and mental transition. So, um, you know, and, sound, and often sound, it happens when our parents need us as, right. like you said, end of life. I've experienced yeah. that with both my parents too. So um, I, I know that kind of feeling of just a, a, a big change in who you are and what you're doing almost. And, and like Terrence Elliott says in uh, his, the last of his quartets, you know, sometimes you have to go back to where it all started. Yep to recognize the place for the first time. And I think that happened with me in Indianapolis. Wow. Um, I had signed with a new publisher who's here in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, he kind of convinced me that, you know, as, as I'm going into my mature phase, shall we say, <laughs> that uh, the one thing that only I could do would be to, uh, you know, help curate, edit, and prepare all of these compositions over the years which are hundreds, you know, right. written, uh, hundreds of pieces of music um, for him to, you know, start releasing. And he's, he's, he's starting to That's know, a huge him, task. Yeah. Get him cataloged and out there. He's mm -hmm. uh, been re-releasing some of my old albums. So uh, I thought that was my work, mm -hmm. you know, it was just to, to edit that catalog. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, started biting me again. And yeah. here I am writing new work. <laughs> That's so, that, well, having listened to the files that you sent me ahead of time, I am so glad to hear that, you know. Join us next time as we continue our conversation with composer A. Paul Johnson. This has been At the Roundtable with Alice and Sarah E. of Community Education Arts. Our nonprofit organization is based in Noblesville, Indiana. You can find us online at cearts.org. We'd like to thank James Weston for writing our intro music and for his technical savvy. Join us next time at, at the Roundtable. Table.